friends, welcome to Womankind. I'm here in episode 45 with my guest, Kristen Becker. She is the creator of The Dykes of Hazard and of the show Loosen the Bible Belt, which we'll hear more about in a second. So hi, Kristen. Thanks for being here. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So let's start. So you're from Buffalo, or where are you originally from? It sounds like there have been a lot of stops along the way. I've, I've, I'm a vagabond. Um, <laughs> so I was born in Buffalo, mm-hmm. and then my dad, like many people in Buffalo, worked for General Motors. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the mid-'80s, they were doing a lot of layoffs at the Tonawanda plant. They were mm-hmm. opening up an S10 plant in Shreveport, Louisiana. I believe it was uh, called, like, the Rust Belt to the Sun Belt. The Sun wow. Belt was the new thing. And so we moved to Shreveport when I was about 10. Uh, but, like, all my extended family is Buffalo. My cousins, my, you know, everybody. So we'd come up for Christmas or during the summer I'd come spend a month or, you know, six weeks up here. And then my friends from here would come down there. And so, um, and then I moved back uh, a few times. Uh, but most recently it was, like, 2001. Mm-hmm. I was back for a while and then kind of stayed, you know, a little bit of Toronto. And now I'm in Massachusetts. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only reason I know where Shreveport is is because of the show True Blood. Yes, that's why <laughs> most people know where Shreveport is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's down there. Down there in Louisiana. It is, it's not only down there in Louisiana, but it's 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 down there in the south and then up there in Louisiana, mm-hmm. right? So, like, all the good stuff, the New Orleans stuff is is in the, the southern. And oh, this okay. This is, like, the north. Northwest like, Louisiana, like Bible Belt, like that's the, okay. the the center core of like Northern Mississippi, Alabama, like all that. Interesting. Stuff. I guess yeah. I think most people when they think of Louisiana, they're like, oh, New Orleans, like you said, but that just like people think Northern New York City, part, right? Right. Well, yeah. people that are not familiar with Buffalo are like, oh, you guys must go to the city all the time. No, it's like six hours away. Yeah, yeah. So. You mean Toronto? Right. Yeah, we go to, <laughs> yeah, Toronto, we go to all Toronto all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't realize that Toronto was like a huge city like New York until I was an adult. Really? Because when I was a kid, we used to go on field trips, so the bus would drop you off outside of the Lion King at the convention oh, center. Oh, right. You'd yeah, get yeah, back yeah. on the bus and come home. So I was like, oh, it's just the place where they play the Lion King. That's right. all I yeah, know yeah, about yeah. it. Um, but anyway, so tell us about some of your projects. I, I have I noticed that originally you were part of the Dykes of Hazard. You were the creator of that. Tell us a little bit about that. So, yeah, Dykes of Hazard started in 2006 mm-hmm. uh, in Buffalo. That was a uh, uh, a spinoff. I had been emceeing for the strip teasers actually years mm-hmm. ago, and then uh, just wanted to do so. I wanted to produce a tour, and I realized that the there was a lot of like, gay entertainment was just drag queens. Which no disrespect to drag queens, but like, how many years are gay people going to go to small southern bars and watch a drag show, right? And if you can do a drag show, you can do a comedy show because you just need a microphone. Mm-hmm. So I just had this idea, and I had a friend of mine who was Canadian. And I had a friend of mine who was Texan, and I was kind of half and half. And I was like, let's just go through the Deep South. And we did that for a while. And then it was really the first queer tour kind of through the South like that, comedy tour. Oh, wow. And then there were a whole bunch that popped up around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we kind of evolved a bit, and I added burlesque and uh, just kind of tried to make it more. And then we ended up, um, I was kind of based in Buffalo, had a lot of personal stuff going on. So I stayed here, and it became uh, the Dykes of Hazard Variety Hour. And we I was going to say, it sounds a lot like a variety show. With yeah, different... so it evolved yeah. into that. It started cool. as a stand-up thing, and then we added burlesque, and then we started adding some mm-hmm. scripted sketches. And for three years, we ran a monthly show in the Ninth Ward. Uh, when, okay. when Bayville was just kind of getting started, the Ninth Ward was just getting started. We were one of the one of the first, like, just monthly. And we ran that for, like, three years. Um, and it was fun. It was really fun. You it know? sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was an all-Buffalo cast. We just kind of got some friends together and uh, had some great writers 
and it was a it was a good time. Mm-hmm. And now Dykes of Hazard is kind of uh, just this magical brand that exists, and we might put out. So you know, we put it, we sell vaginas for lovers T-shirts. So, <laughs> I you know. saw I saw that on your website. <laughs> <laughs> it's very lady centric. Like, a lot of men buy those shirts. A lot of progressive men in the South. Like that is the new really? book in the deep South. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was really when I was on tour. There was one town we sold six of those shirts oh my in, gosh. in like Decatur, Alabama, and it wow. was all straight guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really funny. funny. So that show is no longer in production. So yeah, so Dice okay. of Hazard is no longer, I mean, it's kind of, here's the thing, it's like this thing where it's this brand that sometimes I'll just do a video that I don't really know what to put it out under, so okay, it just so goes it's out. Okay, like, this goes on the blog. Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, because Loosen the Bible Belt is so specifically, right. like, this this project that I have with Jay, that, like, Dice of Hazard kind of becomes all the other stuff. You know, I do a character called Sandy Claus, and sometimes we're like, you know, Dykes of Hazard presents Sandy Claus. And so, okay, interesting. And it's just a really good name and logo, so it's hard to not wear the t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mentioned this before, you've been called the godfather of the Buffalo comedy scene. Can oh, yeah. I say that here? You can um, say it here, but every comic in Buffalo will hate you. Bit, but yeah. <laughs> the shine is worn off. Um, I mean, but you've really seen, like, a pretty cool evolution of Buffalo and how it was, like, you know, when things were just kind of picking up to how they are now, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was... Um, it's so funny. What is in Buffalo is exactly what I was hoping would be in Buffalo when I started this. Like, I love to be able to come home and hit a couple of mics if possible. Mm-hmm. You know, last time I was here, Marie Bamford was at Helium, and I got to go see Bamford. Oh, my and, gosh. And it was, like, just a thing that didn't exist in Buffalo years ago when I used to come visit. And so I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm really proud of the work that we did. Um, I'm really proud of I had a pretty specific vision, and people thought I was crazy, and... That's okay. Everybody thinks I'm crazy. And, you know... Crazy people make things happen, though. Yeah, no, it it worked, you know, and it doesn't always work, but it was something that um, I've always felt like Buffalo needed a a really high-end comedy club. I feel like this place, everyone has a great sense of humor. It's how we get through the shitty seasons, and it's how we get through the football losses. It's how we get through, like, like humor is thrives in seasonally depressed areas. That's <laughs> you need to, a like, good point. You know, like, I don't know, I just, there's something about Buffalo that is very uh, comedic to me, and, like, you know, we just kind of roll with the punches, and we take it, and we know that our mortgage is only, you know, X amount of dollars, and that's mm-hmm. part, you know, like, we, there's just very something very specific about Buffalo that I thought would and should produce really great comedy. I mean, and it's true. I mean, I've been to Nietzsche's for their Tuesday night open mic where people are dragging themselves through a snowstorm like we've had this week. And, yeah. you know, it's a nice little haven in there. Get some yeah. drinks, watch some comedy, and relax. Yeah, Nietzsche's is hands down my favorite stage. And, I mean, I love all the boys or whatever, but I love that there's a woman running it. Right, I love that Liz Reeves is running it. It just for my own little, like, <laughs> oh, good. Look, at there's a little, there's, you know, because I was... Um, producing a ton of stuff and there weren't a lot of women doing comedy in Buffalo and there wasn't a lot of appreciation for it truthfully and I often wonder if I was a dude how would my quote-unquote history like whatever I built in Buffalo how would that be viewed by by people you know it's it's definitely something that that I consider a lot (laughs) so yeah let's talk about that a little bit what was it like being a woman producing a show and like a queer show nonetheless yeah, I mean the, the good thing was now. that yeah the good thing was that doing time was was just kind of an open mic mm-hmm. you know and I think you know I had been doing comedy for five years before I came back to Buffalo and I couldn't quite get anyone to treat that real you know like I've been performing in Toronto I've been touring in 
And, um, but, you know, I was also incredibly overbearing because I had this idea that I wanted to make work and I couldn't explain to people how I knew how it would work, right? And so there was a lot of, you know, when you're first building a scene and someone wants to start a mic and you're like, no, 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 don't. Like, if you do that and you haven't done, like, I've been doing comedy for five years. That's why I'm hosting this show. Right. If you haven't been doing, like, don't. Um, there was one comic who, a woman too, was going to start a mic and I was kind of an asshole to her. I was like, don't, do, you're not ready to do that. Like, don't, don't do mm -hmm. that. Because I'd spoken to somebody who had built a scene and they said, yo, keep it all in one place and like, you know, try to do the best. So it was great. Like, listen, I loved my time here, but definitely when you look back, you're like, oh, especially in our new awakening of like kind of <laughs> reevaluating the roles women have played in certain things and just going back like, oh, yeah, you guys could have been a little nicer, but that's all right. You know, like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about loosen the bible let's talk a lot about loose okay in the bible I would belt love because to. that I is your main to. project right now correct that, that is getting loose in the bible belt and um and summer of sass which kind of okay. uh, falls out of loose in the bible belt but it's all kind of connected but loose in the bible belt is is uh i had written a it's a tour i do with jay baker and if you are um of a certain age you will know jim and tammy faye baker uh the event are you do you know jim and tammy i don't baker? know okay, so jim and tammy faye baker uh, in the 90s were uh, evangelical. Oh, is like, she the one that wears a lot of makeup? With yes. The, okay, yes, I do know her. <laughs> so, Jay, that I tour with, that's his mom. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. So he came from this, like, crazy Christian royalty mm -hmm. family that had a lot of conflict and controversy and all kinds of stuff. Um, but he's a great pastor, and in about, I think it was like 2006, he came, he came out as gay-affirming in the Christian church, which okay. means he was pro-gay marriage lost a ton of funding and it's just really has been a progressive pastor for years and is really rethinking the way Christianity is being used to fuel hatred and, and just hijacked, right? The, the, the way that religion is being hijacked uh, and, and being used in very unchristian like ways. And so I had done a tour in the deep South called Becker on the Bayou where I had just kind of gone around Louisiana specifically um, I was testifying before the Louisiana State Senate on behalf of a non-discrimination act. And so I did this little tour. So I go, we'll raise awareness, I'll do a few shows, we'll raise a little money. And at each stop, there would be somebody who, you know, well, the Bible says. And I couldn't, I mean, I went to a Catholic school my whole life, but like, I can't argue the Bible, right? So I kind of realized I was going to need a straight Christian white guy to validate the experience that I was telling people that I was having. That you're actually going through. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. And so I went looking for a pastor. I went for somebody who could, I went to try to find somebody, because I do not believe religion needs to go away. I believe it needs to be, uh, I believe people need to live their faith and not preach their, like, no one is living Christianity to me when they're spewing hatred right. and divisiveness and judgment and all of that stuff, right? So I wanted to find a guy who, or woman or whoever, who could have those debates with people in a caring way and maybe make some progress, right? Like, if you quote Bible at me, all I can say is, yeah, but I'm a person, right? you know? Right, this is my experience. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. But this is something, you know, Jay can speak the language and, and has the patience to want to lead people into a more loving way, into a more loving Christianity. So, so we partnered up, and we weren't quite too sure what the first year was going to bring, you know, what happens when you put a lesbian comedian and a Christian pastor in a van together. We didn't know each other. We just got into a van. We met in the Dallas airport. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we'd never met before. We were just, I had tweeted at him 
I saw his movie, I tweeted. What a leap of faith. That's a awesome. Huge leap of faith. <laughs> which is what we're trying to like lead by example, right? Right. Like, like, hey, if these two strangers can get in a car together for three weeks and smell each other's farts or whatever, right? <laughs> like, you can bake a cake for the guy that walks into your shop. Right. You know, like, like how can you stretch your own boundaries to, you know, accept that other people are going to be different and, and believe different things and smell bad. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was really, um, that's how it started. And now we've really kind of figured it out. We've, the last year we have guest pastors. What I'm finding is, you know, in comedy you have these DIY comedians, right? Like I've always been considered a DIY. I didn't move to New York or LA. I didn't, you know, just try to find an agent, work up the chain and tour the clubs. Like that's never been my approach for whatever reason. Not that it's bad or good. Um, and there's the same thing with all these these religious leaders throughout, I'm sure more than just the South, but what I've found in the South is there's this whole network of freelancers who are speaking truth and love and the church is kicking them out because mm -hmm. you're not supposed to preach that. You're supposed to preach, you know, no abortion ever and gays bad and, you know, hate, 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 hate. And, and so um, what we're hoping to do is just kind of build a hub for all of these these loving voices online and let people kind of find th those voices in their communities and just kind of elevate the local voices a bit and create a network of, we're calling it um, a, a movement for moderates. We're calling it sane spaces, you know, a home for spiritual discourse. Like what, where let's hold some space for these discussions that we have to start having before we just start killing each other, you know? Absolutely. Because things are, the hatred's ex growing at really quickly. Mm -hmm. So these, pastors are they like starting their own churches or it's a mixed bag okay um so we have you know some uh already have congregations some are doing you know freelance weddings and you know some it, it, it's all across the board uh it's just a lot of really well-intended people who feel like something they believe very strongly in is being misused mm -hmm. and so they're speaking out and there are a lot of people who you know jay always says that pastors are now politicians. Mm -hmm. That it used to be that pastors and priests and, and religious leaders were religious leaders. And so they led you in a loving, kind way. And now there's a weird mix of, number one, you've got a lot of hatred coming down from the top. And so they're expected to leak that. But there's also this, um, this thing where pastors are now politicians. And so what we're trying to do is motivate the St. Americans who are saying, hey, Next time you're in your congregation, why don't you ask your leader what you're doing, how you're treating LGBTQ people? How are you treating immigrants? How are you treating people who are downtrodden and need your help? How are you being Christian or whatever it is? How are you being a loving religious leader? And, and to get the people to hold the leaders to task because now they will. Right? Like it's politics and pastors are politicians, right? So if your congregation starts to say, hey, we, can we talk about how, what our views are about this? And can we make sure that we're doing the right thing? The more that that, that happens, the more the, you know, the message will kind of trickle. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, I believe people want to do the right thing. I just think that there's a lot of concentrated power that relies on us hating each other. Mm -hmm. And so if we can do I mean, that keeps people docile yeah keeps everybody in keeps line the status quo so right and it's so funny to me that i mean i'm not i don't really jesus too much but i was in a catholic school my whole life baptized reconciled confirmed the whole shebang i know the drill 
and I'm thankful that I was given that in my formative years. Like, it was really great. My morality, I feel, is very much in check. I'm thankful I was taught to think for myself and all of those things. But this isn't what's happening now and the way people are being treated isn't the Jesus I was ever taught. So, you know, even, and I don't think it's going anywhere and I think it's harming a lot of people and so, and a lot of people in the queer community specifically. Um, but not just that. I mean, honestly, when we were, we were in Montgomery, Alabama and this couple was, uh, they were raised Baptist fundamentalists and they came to the show and they bought Jay's book and they talked to Jay afterwards and they were now atheists. They identified as atheists. They had done a lot of spiritual studying and that wasn't their bag anymore but they would never tell their family. And so every holiday they pretended to be Baptist and they went through all the motions and I was like, oh wow, you're in your own religion closet. Like you are, the, the oppression is way bigger than I realized, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's also just so not, for me specifically, Catholic churches right now are so removed from, here's a, this is something my cousin pointed out to me. He lives in a, lives in outside of Houston and in I think the average age is, you know, sixty. Other people in, in, the in, town? in the town, yeah. Oh. Like fifty five <laughs> to sixty five. Like yeah. it's an older yeah. people have retired and they've moved out and this is their I live in on Cape Cod near P Town, which is primarily old and queer. Okay. okay. Both of these places far, far away from each other, outside of their Catholic churches, have anti abortion posters up. Now listen. <laughs> no one's getting an abortion at the queer beach first of all okay like any kids that are happening at the queer beach are happening because queers jump through hoops to get pregnant and have a right. baby no abortions are happening in the retirement community of navasota texas you know what i mean the catholic church is not or what this church specifically is not like you're you just have a national talking point and you're not in your communities because if you were, those would be anti-adultery signs, right? Because that's what those 55-year-old retired guys are doing is cheating on their wives. But no one's talking about that. So I just feel like there's this disconnect of like a living, breathing religion. And instead, it's these talking points that are being just regurgitated because they're the most divisive. And it doesn't, doesn't feel like a... I mean, I don't think that the sense of community that there once was is there anymore right and i mean specifically like the catholic church like they're in a lot of hot water i mean especially in this area like yeah. their focus is i don't think right now on you know bringing community together it's staying afloat in it's the wake afloat. of you know sexual abuse scandals so right. it's and hard to have your focus on the right thing at this time and if they could just own this these errors and, like, try to go through in a transparent, loving, authentic way and be like, yo, we were really wrong about a lot of things. But, there, you know, like, this, it, it, it's just so funny to me that there's just these tenets of free will, but then, like, oh, wait, but let's not use any of that. Like, let, you know, let's not, uh, but, yeah, they're worried about staying afloat, and it's, it'll be what sinks everybody. And it's, it's a real shame because there's a lot of, um, or, you know what, we'll see what comes out of it, right? Like, I think these new communities of, I mean, humans are intelligent, caring, adaptable creatures. And if we can just kind of be true and authentic in what we believe and like try to hold the space for people to have those conversations where they don't, you know, try to hide who they are. You know, I don't want anyone to, when the first year we did the tour, this woman in Alabama uh, asked me, she said, why did you want to do this? 
She's like, why did you want to ride around with a Christian who thinks you're not enough? And I was like, well, first of all, I picked a Christian who thought I was enough. Right. <laughs> but, you know, it has come to that. On the next tour, we're, we, you know, we try to find people who have contrary opinions, but they won't even talk to us sometimes. You know, I went to, um, I went to a church in New Orleans and tried and asked the pastor to just sit down and talk to me and just wouldn't talk to me. Wow. Wouldn't have a conversation. And I went to his Holy Thursday Mass Empty, big empty church, right? And I'm like, listen, we're filming a documentary, and he was, uh, I think he might have been Haitian. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I said, you know, I don't, I, I'm not particularly religious, but I hold the space for, for people who are, and I believe that everyone should, should have whatever you use to get through life that makes you feel better. His secretary called me the next day and declined politely, and I just thought to myself, man, you need all the PR you can get, man. Like, I was, in, I was in your congregation on a holy holiday, and nobody was there. So, like, you should probably be talking to anybody. <laughs> to somebody. Even yeah. if you have to afterwards say it was a bad idea. Right. You should probably right. be talking to somebody. But as soon as I said gay, and I could have, listen, I can put on some makeup and not make it that obvious and leave it vague, but I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to ambush the guy. I wanted to say in good faith, hey, I'm coming to you. Right. You do stuff I don't believe in. So <laughs> you do some stuff, you know. But, yeah, we'll see what happens with their PR situation. Yeah, interesting. So actually, walk us through, like, what, if you go to, like, an event of the tour, what does yeah. it actually look like? So all we try to do is get people who have differing beliefs to get into the same space and share some energy, right? So um, a comic host, it's usually me, sometimes it's our opener, depending on our lineup. Uh, you get stand-up comedy from one or two people, sometimes a guest comic. Uh, we have a lovely woman by the name of Sarah Rosemary, who's from Buffalo originally, that lives in New Orleans. Um, and Megan DePonso, who's also a comic from Buffalo, who now lives in Denver. So our crew is, like, I keep it pretty, I, I keep it pretty Buffalo. Um, <laughs> I do, I do. Uh, and so, um, I'll, there'll be some opening comedy. Uh, first couple people get them all loosened up, and then Sarah Rose sings some amazing, beautiful songs. She plays the ukulele, has an incredible voice. She does about three or four songs. And then Jay comes out and, and speaks. And, you know, it's always love-based. There's It's preaching, for sure. Um, and uh, after Jay preaches, I usually say, okay, if you were here to see Jay only, uh, it's going to get real dirty. <laughs> and I say well, all my really dirty stuff. For the so, end. Until after the Jesus talk. Mm-hmm. And then I tell people, if you were here just to see Jay and you would feel more comfortable leaving now, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No one will make fun of you. No one has ever left. Really? Because at that point, they've kind of understood that like what Jay and I are doing is just actively not toning each other down. You know, and he is, we are opposite human beings. Like he is a very quiet, timid man and I'm this big, boisterous, aggressive. You know what I mean? Like he's passive, I'm not. Um, and so... <laughs> By that point in the show, number one, they just got preached to. But number two, they they understand that, like, it's okay if I say a few things that are going to offend you. It's okay. That's what love is. Like, you don't have to like it, and you don't have to bring my dirty jokes back to your office and repeat them at the water cooler. But you can sit through this part because all of my audience just sat through the guy who was talking about Jesus for you... And they don't even believe that guy's real. Like, at least you know lesbians exist. You know, like, so... <laughs> so it becomes this thing. And then afterwards, we, we try to have discussions with everybody and, and, and facilitate conversations. And a lot of people just need to tell Jay a story just to get it off of their chest. And, 
and uh, it's positive and it's fun and then we hope that you make new connections in your own community and every time we come back we have a bigger party you know you bring some more of your friends and then little by little we'll have you know and we go to places like Austin and New Orleans where we are a little bit preaching to the choir like you know people are pretty progressive right but then we take that energy that we gather from there and then we, and bring, then we bring it to Montgomery right. and we leave it for those 10 people who right who needed it more than anything you know so so you guys are doing the thing that I think has popped up like a lot of people have suggested this over the years where find someone who has the exact opposite views of you and sit down with them and talk and like for a while that was like the talking point like that's what we need to do. Right. And then I think over the past maybe year or so, people have said, well, that doesn't work. People don't change their minds. So what do you think about that? <laughs> or, I mean, maybe the goal isn't to change minds. It's to promote tolerance and you, acceptance. It's about love. Okay. Right? Which sounds really vague and whatever. But, like, in the practice of it, I think right now we have this weird dichotomy of we do need to sit down and talk to people who think differently than we do. And we are able to like have these really isolated bubbles in our social media life and, and, and all of that stuff. Um, I think people expect that openness to happen immediately. Right. And it just doesn't like we're in this expedited, everything's in a hurry society and like getting, sitting down with a stranger and getting to a point where like you can see their insides and they can see your insides, doesn't happen immediately. So you have to get through the first initial, like, the instigating pokes that, that they're going to throw at you. The most uncomfortable part of the it, The most right? uncomfortable yeah. part of it to get to their humanity. And then when you get to their humanity, you maybe feel more comfortable showing your humanity or vice versa. Someone's going to show their cards first, right? And that's where Jay and I come in, where we just try to show our cards first, right? Which is not in my comfort zone. That's something <laughs> I've learned from watching Jay, but also in really believing that authenticity is how we get to what's next. Right. As a society. is It's not oppression and making people feel like they're not enough and hiding it. It's letting people be exactly who they are and saying that, that not only is that okay, but like I don't need to hurt you about that. Right. You know? um, so I think it's just this, it's just a hard place to get to in the current social structure. You know, yeah, like definitely. it's just a hard, it would be different, like, you know, there's a part of me that's like, everyone's like, oh, if if we lost a power grid, we would we would devolve as a society and eat each other. And I was like, maybe not. Like, maybe we would just have to talk to the people in our neighborhoods. Right. You know, and then realize that they're not going anywhere, so we have to figure it out. And that's really what used to happen, is you didn't always agree with your neighbor, but they owned the place next to you, and so you had to figure it out. You know, you didn't just block them. Mm -hmm. you, couldn't right. just, you couldn't just unfriend them. Right. Right. Yeah, it's very interesting because, I mean, I guess we before the internet, we didn't have the possibility of having such huge communities, and now we do, and I just don't know if it's better or worse. I guess it's better in a lot of ways and worse in some ways. <coughs> I just think in the grand scheme of human history, these 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 are some transitional decades, mm -hmm. and we have a choice. We can either like be more enlightened, or we can be more luddite. You know, like we can either move forward with some loving and caring ideas, or we can. And that doesn't. And the other thing is, like that doesn't mean I don't tell people to go f off. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Listen, I am. I'm reactionary, I am a flawed, flawed human being that, like, loses my cool all the time, and I, and that's part of it, too, is, like, understanding that we are a mixed bag, 
human beings and you can't be perfect all the time and people have to be able to mess up and they have to, you know, mm-hmm. if somebody says something wrong 10 years ago, I hate that. I hate reflective consciousness. Yeah. This idea that we're looking back and picking apart something someone said 10 years ago to me is insane. Yeah, that leaves a lot to be desired, that you can be, like, vilified for something that maybe you've learned better since then. Well, and also just the difference between, like, saying some off-color humor jokes and, like, actually raping someone, right? right? Like, those are, like, you those know, are like, two those are two very things. different things, and I think that, you know, we're in this time period where we're kind of parsing out what we're going to be, I don't know, it's, times are crazy right now. They really are just nuts, and we're just trying to... Now, are they crazier than, like, any other time? Because that's this is the question I ask myself all the time. I'm like, is this, like, a unique time period, or is this something that, you know, are do people 50 years ago, were they saying, this is crazy, this is the craziest I mean, time I think you've people, ever been in? I think people have always been like, this is crazy, right? Because there's always, <laughs> like, the, uh, what kind of music are these kids right, listening to these days? Perpetual. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, forever. <laughs> but also I think that there's just more exposure to it because we have we can uh see a video camera footage from a cop we can skype into zimbabwe like i just think that there's more information Mm -hmm. that is accessible to us and so we're trying to process all of it and figure it out and you know that's exhausting (laughs) and it also removes i think our ability to process the information appropriately, right? Like, Mm -hmm. can I really understand Zimbabwe culture from watching some videos on Zimbabwe? No. But had I gone to Zimbabwe, I bet you that journey would have taught me a whole lot about what I was getting myself into, right? And I feel like that might be one of the biggest disconnects of understanding other cultures is, like, we don't get the journey. Right, that's true. We don't get, to, we don't, you know, you could go online and just look up some queer stuff instead of having to go to the LGBT center and actually experience other mm-hmm. humans and well, share that that's experience. that's the key, isn't it? Experiencing other humans. Mm-hmm. That's, like, the disconnect. Because I feel like there's, when you actually physically look someone in the, the eye and talk mm-hmm. to them and hear some of their story... You can't not be empathetic unless you're, like, a sociopath or something. Like, you have to have that wall break down a little bit when you're sitting across from someone talking to them. Yeah, 100%. if you don't get the opportunity to do that, then that wall stays up. No matter how many books you read about whatever topic. Yeah, and and that's instinctual. Mm -hmm. Like, listen, we're animals. Mm -hmm. We are conditioned for survival to not trust things unlike us. Right? Like that's like, so you have to do the work to, to, to train yourself that things unlike you won't always hurt you. Right? You have to actually open up to other human beings and be like, hey, you're good, you know? And I fear that, like, I fear like the senses we need most are the senses we've been dulling down by screen time, right? So when, you know, I always hear guys like, well, how do I know? What am I going to do with a lady, right? How, what, can I touch him? What, oh, what world are we living in? And it, to me, it's like, no, you just have to pay attention to chemistry and right. signs. And, oh, you don't have any of that because you just spent the last 12 years playing video games, asshole. Like, <laughs> here's the thing. You, you want to get, you, would you like a girl to like you? Then maybe spend some time hanging out and getting to know girls and how they work. And maybe, like, fine-tune your spidey senses and not just sit in front of a screen for 18 hours, right? Like, I mean, these yeah. are things that, like, as we... 
our relationships become more nuanced and things like monogamy go out the window and like we just start looking at all these other ways that we can form relationships. This personal, you know, sensing things out is really important mm -hmm. and it's the thing that's gone by the wayside. So yeah, you're getting it wrong a lot. Because you're not studying the thing you need to study to be successful in it. Right. You're playing video games, man. Like right. <laughs> and, like, I don't know. That argument of, like, I don't know what to do with a lady. Like, if she doesn't like it, then don't do it. Right. <laughs> like, but the other thing is, like, the other thing, and I will say this, is, like, women like to be real vague. Women don't like to say no because it's sometimes scary, but also sometimes just you hurt someone's feelings and we have to get We've over that. We've been conditioned so much. Right. We have that. to get over that yeah. because there is a weird game that happens. Mm -hmm. And I've said this before, like women stop your vaginas are not a prize. Mm -hmm. Like stop treating them as such. But because, we've been taught that. Yeah. No, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, but we have to change it, mm -hmm. you know? And that's been something that, you know, I get into trouble with my lady. I, I'm a masculine woman. Like, I get, I say I did get dude privilege, and people are like, that's not real. And I was like, you know what? I've dated a lot of really feminine women, and I've seen the way men talk to her and the way men talk to me, and I 100% have a weird privilege in these spaces, these masculine spaces, right? Interesting. Um, yeah, no, I. Yeah, I've, that makes sense. I've seen it because my energy is, 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 is masculine, okay. and it's a different, and it's, I don't really think it's even about gender. I think it's about feminine and masculine energy, and because feminine men get. Yeah, they get, get a lot shit of, on, yeah. and masculine women sometimes pass. I mean, listen, there's some guys that, you know, are intimidated by masculine women, and they'll react. But um, I forgot how I got on that. Tangent. I don't know, Sorry, either, but that's an interesting topic too. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, actually, we can probably move into the questions of womanhood because this kind of leads us. All right, that yeah, road. let's talk about girl uh, stuff. <laughs> so, well, I mean, women stuff. <laughs> I mean, girls, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> So, Kristen, what does it mean to you to be a woman in 2019, and what does it mean generally to be a woman in 2019? Man, I think that 2019, I think it's a great time to be a woman, truthfully. I mean, I hope that, uh, I think that, you know, I, I watched 9 to 5 the other day. Have you ever seen I've that? never seen, I was just talking what? about this. I know, I know, I need you to You can't have it. this podcast and not see, that's what you're doing today, your homework. Yeah, to, I think, um... My friends on the um, podcast, Take Down the Patriarchy, they were talking about that. Yeah, the other day. And I was like, I've it. never seen it. I need you to see it. You have to watch it. You have to watch 9 to 5. And it's brilliant. And you will have this moment of like, oh, wait, we said all this stuff in 1984. Okay, I see. Because we are, there is this, you know, but it seems like, you know, as we cycle through some more awareness, you know, we're reaching a point now where... Well, back then, women really didn't own their own businesses or anything. And so now we're like, oh, here's this combination where we're getting the awareness and we are kind of socially positioned mm -hmm. to actually make a difference mm -hmm. and to actually, you know, when you see it, what my fear is. So was there really like a 20 year, like, because I think of like the 60s and 70s as kind of like a time where, you know, feminism was really like forging ahead then there was kind of, like, backlash. Did the, Reagan. Did the backlash last for, like, my whole life up until this moment? Yeah, we've been slowly <laughs> shuffling backwards. Yeah. Very slowly, yeah. where you wouldn't exactly notice. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I noticed in 2016. It took a minute. Yeah. But you didn't, you didn't yeah, notice didn't until notice it happened. Until, that. until it happened. I noticed. I was touring the South, mm -hmm. and I saw a t I knew this was going to happen. Like, mm -hmm. I, I was hoping, I knew it was going to be, I thought it was going to be closer than everyone expected, is what I thought it was going to be, yeah. right? So, 
but yeah, no, that it definitely. Um, I think being a woman right now is awesome. I think it's gonna. I worry a little bit about how many women are running for things. I'm worried for about how many women are running for president right now. I I, I worry. I don't know why, but I feel like. No, this is the thing where we all just fight with each other now. Right. I'm worried for how many people in general are running, running true, for president. True, I'm like, true, true. can we have one that stands out as strong? Like, can we make that happen? Yeah, I know I that mean, we used to have it at the primaries yet, but like... It definitely yeah. feels a little bit... Yeah, I don't like it. Like, I, basically, like I'm announcing my candidacy for president right, right now. That's yeah. basically what it yeah, feels yeah, like. Yeah. like yeah. We're, I mean, I know it's a fundraising thing, but it's just... it. So, I, I mean, I think it's a good time to be a lady. I do. I think it's a good time to be a woman. Um, I think that it's definitely a better time than to be a man. <laughs> <laughs> the cackles. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, and that's okay. Like, I really, I feel very strongly about that. Like, I mean, when there is oppression happening in order for equality or equity to happen, there has to be some power taken back been, from the oppressor. Yeah, and it's been centuries. So we can, everybody just shh, <laughs> sit. <laughs> just you, you just sit there and look handsome for a minute. Let's do some stuff. <laughs> Maybe smile a little. Smile bit. a little more. It's fine. Oh man. So was that your answer specific to you, or was that general, or was that everything? I think it was everything. I mean, <laughs> I. I mean, I'm obviously a woman, and I don't feel like I'm gonna like. I don't feel. As though I have any transitioning in my future, mm -hmm. right? Which yeah. I would be super mad about, by the way. Not because there's anything wrong with transitioning, but for me personally, if being a white dude for the last 300 years was more awesome about why would I want to do it now? Like, what am I dying <laughs> when I'm losing all my privilege, right? Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I operate this in this weird, like, non-binary space of, like, I, I love my female friends a whole lot and I think that is probably my favorite part about being a lady is like just my my female friendships like I have amazing really great friends mm -hmm. I also date some really amazing great women and that's great too <laughs> um but I think that to me is um key also we're really good at details absolutely women are better at details in my personal opinion not all I realize there's some very detail-oriented men but I, I think like that's that. a fair generalization in my experience. I like that part. I like being detail-oriented. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my next question was going to be, what are your favorite parts of being a woman? Being detail-oriented. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, it's, I, friendships, um, I like, I don't mind not being, like, I, I like being one or two or three women in a room sometimes. Like, I like that feeling. I don't, it doesn't intimidate me at all. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy that and I like going into rooms like that and owning rooms it's really fun like going into male dominated spaces and knowing that you have things to say and also doesn't and listen this is a 50-50 shot right there's plenty of rooms you walk into that are surrounded with woke men that's woke mm -hmm. but there's also a whole lot of those rooms that aren't still and those are my favorites to walk into and I'm 42 so I'd give zero cares about what you think of me, old man. So what happens in that, like, let's walk into that situation. What happens so in I, that situation? So when I was 21, 
I was hired to manage a CC's Pizza. Okay. And CC's Pizza. Is their pizza good? It's all right. Okay. But it's I was like five dollars. Right? I was in Texas. Yeah. yeah. And it was a really brilliant business model. Okay. I mean, the guy ran. We got six weeks of corporate training in Dallas, where they put you up in a hotel. I was twenty one, and because in order to run something that effectively, your labor costs, your your food costs, everything has to be run like a mm-hmm. tight ship, right? Mm-hmm. The guy that owned that company also started his own distribution center, so none of his franchises would fail because if the price of lettuce went up, he just absorbed it. Oh, it was brilliant. wow, that's awesome. It was brilliant. But the point of the story is that I was the only woman. At corporate training for CC's Pizza in 1999, and I was the only one under the age of 32, oh, and I was 21. Like I was a 22 baby. Yeah, baby. Um, and there's something about I love those conditions. Like put me in those conditions because I know I'm capable, and I know that the more capable I am, the more it blows your mind and changes your mind. Right? I mean, that was when I was. 15, my first job was at a putt-putt golfing games. Mm -hmm. And I was a softball player in Louisiana, and I wanted a tan. But you couldn't get a tan working in the booth handing out balls, but you could get a tan working on the go-kart track. Oh, right. But here's the thing. (laughs) Girls didn't work on the go-kart track, right? Because you had to push, hit a hill. And if a big old bubba (laughs) stalled on the hill, you got to push him Mm -hmm. up the hill to keep things going. This has been how putt-putt golfing games on Mansfield Road in Shreveport, Louisiana had operated for decades. <laughs> and I was not having it. So I went to my boss and I said, I want to be outside all summer. And he said, can you push your go He goes, I'm going to sit in a go-kart. And if mm-hmm. you could push me up the hill, you could work on the go-kart track. And he made it. He was really great. Mm-hmm. He really like made a big deal out of it. He's like, all right, we're having the kid mm-hmm. chicks work the go-kart track day. Mm-hmm. And I did. He got in there, and I pushed him up, and I got to work at the go-kart track, right? And that's like, nice, because that wasn't, like, gender-based. It, it was wasn't. Like, it was just something you that... have the qualifications to do this job. Right, and I find that a lot of places, if you can go to it in that way and address it in that way, it used to be that, yeah, it sucked that we had to be the person to go, hey, you know, girls can do that job, too. Hmm. But it wasn't a big deal for a lot of people. And now it's a weird, like, I don't know if it's tied to the upswing in, you know, the the oppressive religion because that's where gender roles really mm-hmm. you know, I like I feel like that has when you said, you know, was there this this slow backpedal? Yeah. And I think this has been part of it too. Like it never was a surprise that women could do things. It just wasn't the average. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it wasn't you wouldn't make the assumption that a woman could do it. In the same way we don't make an assumption that a man can cook, right? Like mm-hmm. we do these things. Both ways. I mean, as someone who dates women, it drives me crazy when I hear my female friends, like, kind of talk about how a dumb dude, they're, like, kind of, like, dragging them around. And I'm like, you're kind of talking about me, too, though. Right? Like, because I date women. And, like, does that mean that I do? Like, it's just, we just need lots of talking and lots of vulnerability and lots of, like, understanding that it's, like, untraining our brain. Mm -hmm. From, like, taking these signs that we've kind of learned about this, mm-hmm. you know, our eyes see a dude and then they yeah. have all of our right. latent biases that pop up and same mm-hmm. with race, same with everything, right? Yeah, it's the whole, like, face-to-face getting to know a person thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know, because I think that people sometimes, you know, 
religious people or whatever make disparaging comments about people who are gay, and then they're like, except for my one gay friend, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's, you know, that's the one yeah. person from that community that they know. That they're connected to. Right, And exactly. so, oh, not that, but everyone else. Right. And you're like, but, yeah, just talk to people. Right. And, and know that, like, everyone doesn't have to be a perfect fit for you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay. It's okay that we don't agree. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go do this, though. <laughs> you could do that. Can I do this in peace? Because that would be great. Because I don't care if you pray in peace. You know, like, go do that. But, but And you could even pray that I change. I'm fine with that. You could pray all you want that I change. But don't make the law tell me to change. Don't do that, you know. So is there anything you think the world needs to know about women that it doesn't know right now? Um, I think that there are a whole lot of things that will slowly be revealed or, but you know what, honestly, like, no, actually, because I think that people do know and that's been what they've been afraid of. (laughs) Okay. That's (laughs) like, I, like, I don't think that, you know, even the most abusive jerk of a guy, like really truly thinks that, you know, women aren't people. You know, I think they're just intimidated or, or, or insecure of losing this thing they love or this trophy thing or afraid that if this thing is built strong, then their own self isn't going to be whole enough to keep that thing that's built strong, right? Like, I think that there's a lot of those things that just happen in personal relationships and insecurity that gets amplified by social and gender constructs, right? Like, just things that we've made up of what men and women should be that a lot of times, again, are based in religion or wherever. You know, that's what I've been challenging everyone lately, and that's what Loose in the Bible Belt has taught me. Whether it's women or men or sexuality or um, anything, why do you think that? Like, let's go back and root out where these ideas came from that, that women are supposed to be in the kitchen and are a little bit like, where did all of these things come from? And a lot of it's religion-based. And if we go back to that and go, all right, maybe we should rethink. And some of it is just basic survival. You know, like, yeah, men hunted stuff and women gathered. Well, we don't have to hunt and gather anymore. So maybe we can look at how we can, yeah, we can evolve into Mm -hmm. other ways. And I think that's what is next for us is really Mm -hmm. like, now that we don't have to live in the wild. Haven't we had like time to do that? (laughs) Like, we haven't been living in the wild for a while. I feel like we've had time to do it, but I don't know how, I mean, I don't know how long it takes us. A while. I think it takes mm-hmm. us a while to really like full fledged transitions into. Yeah, that's I mean, people true. still have rotary phones. That's the, somewhere that is true. someone still has a rotary phone, right? And we don't get to move forward mm-hmm. until the least common denominator evolves. Right. So you have these people mm-hmm. who, and this is how society is always going to be. You're going to have your your women Smith, mm-hmm. your Smith College women's studies graduate at mm-hmm. the forefront of things for all things gender and. And you're going to have Bubba at the back end for all things gender. And he's going to know a lot about, like, a truck or something, but not about this stuff, right? And right. so that's this person, the there's a big spectrum yeah. of knowledge. And I think that's the thing that people have to understand is that people will get there eventually. And so, like, I try to sit somewhere in the middle here, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't say heteronormative to Bubba. He's going to turn off because it's condescending and it's right. not a language that he speaks. and makes him feel insecure and you're going to make no progress. So I try to sit in the middle of that spectrum, whether it be my gender or, you know, even uh, class 
Like, I try to sit. Like, I hang out with very rich and famous people, but I also hang out. And I can do that. And I like to try to be that middle, that meaty middle that can kind of help people understand each other. You know? Mm-hmm. I won't sure. always agree with it, but that's where I like to live right but now. But bridging the gap yeah. between yeah. those two people. Yeah. Like, I'm dude enough that I can throw a football or whatever, but I'm also going to get a period, so... Mm-hmm. You know, like, <laughs> like I feel like yeah. I really... I always say that the, the soft witch lesbian is the bridge between the genders. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to break it down for you guys, because I understand you both a lot. <laughs> I mean, is that a lot of pressure on you in that role? Or it's just organic. Like, it yeah. just comes to me very naturally. So, mm-hmm. no, like, I just really... I get it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get it. I get mm-hmm. what it's like to be objectified, and I get what it's like to also objectify mm-hmm. the same woman, right? Like, yeah. I get it. Like, I want mm-hmm. to have sex with women. So mm-hmm. sometimes, and I, you know, in, in the evolution of even lesbianism, mm-hmm. I've been saying this a lot, that, like, women, I'm allowed to objectify women because I have a vagina, mm-hmm. and I get away with it, but that doesn't make it right. right. Like, and now, and... So now, like, even my friends have been like, oh, wait, I'm not. And they're like, yeah, you're not allowed to say that anymore. Like, oh. Because, you know, growing up gay in the South, you just mirrored what men were doing. Right. Like, that was how you started your journey into mm-hmm. being different. It's like, oh, well, I like sleeping with women, so I must be just, you know, mm-hmm. like a dude. And so, you know, that was a thing. And maybe there weren't a lot of models otherwise right and and you know what and it's there's there's also a lot of i'm also kind of not into that that's bad like there i know women who really love very strict gender roles there's nothing wrong with that and by gender i mean butch feminine you know i know women who are very feminine in the south and they have very masculine women lovers Mm -hmm. and that's a dynamic they really enjoy they like the door being open for Mm -hmm. them and i'm like yes feminism to me is doing anything you want Mm -hmm. However you want to do it, right? And I really get mad when people are like, she's just at home with her kids. I'm like, what are you talking about? Just. Yeah, what are you talking about? Like, the whole point of this is we get to do whatever we want. Whatever we want, right? So that's what I want to see. I want to see everyone doing whatever they want that doesn't hurt anybody else. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree with that. All right, nice. Yeah. Okay, thank <laughs> you. Sweet, good, good, good. Podcast over. <laughs> We've um, saved the world. Good job. Um, so what issue that affects women are you most passionate about? I need to rephrase that question <laughs> in a more active voice. What, what am I most passionate about, uh, as far as women's issues go? Um, the abortion thing to me right now is weird and terrifying. Mm-hmm. And and I say that as someone who will never accidentally be pregnant. Well, mm-hmm. maybe, but I'm aging out of that bracket mm-hmm. quickly. I made it through the prime rape in years. Um, my, my, oh, like, wow. my, my hot 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. No, seriously. Yeah, like, I'm yeah. an older middle-aged lady. I made it through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I have no intention of breeding. Um, but there is something that is so terrifying to me about what's happening right now in our country and, and more at the appellate court level than anything mm-hmm. else. And I think that it's so obviously religion based mm-hmm. and it's so not the way our government is supposed to be run. Separation of church and state. Uh, I do not believe there's such thing as a Christian nation. I believe it's terrifying to think that any nation is all one religion. And so for me, that is something that just, is so obviously based in something that not everyone believes in that how can you possibly make that sort of a law 
to govern everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's, uh, I, mean, I think that's a lot of women's biggest fears right now. But it just feels like such a blatant overreach of religious views, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, like, yeah. So I think that one. So is that the change, the biggest change you'd like to see for women in the future? Um, yeah, I think that, I think that there's, uh, I, I, I don't, do I want to see a change? I mean, I guess, yes, I want to see a change in the places where the changes were, I mean, I think in Texas there's two clinics left in the state of Texas or something crazy. Um, so yeah, healthcare should just be healthcare, right? Like it should just be a thing that you get to decide what you want to do. And so, yeah, I think that's probably, the, you know, some places are doing okay, but for the most part, yeah, I'd like to see it to just be healthcare. I'd like it to just be healthcare, yeah. <laughs> so who are, well, do you have a story of subversion, or do you want to talk about women that you admire, or should we combine? I would love to talk about them. I love Lily Tomlin, like, whoa. So Journey Gunderson that I had on got to give her a private tour of the comedy center. Wow, yes, that's that was, super fun. Yep. Yeah, I um I love some Lily Tomlin. I uh I had really great women in my life, like just teachers and stuff. And that that to me I had a teacher, uh Mrs. Templin, mm-hmm. who I had in fifth grade. And when I graduated high school, I got a package in the and every one of her classes got a package in the mail when they graduated high school. What? She kept our work. Every fifth grade class that she taught, she would organize. So, you know when you do the silhouette profile yeah. thing that you traced? Yeah. That was in there. Oh, my gosh. Some stuff we had written. And it showed up at your house after you graduated high school. How did she even find you? Like- I have no idea. But all I know is that she has always been my favorite woman. That's amazing. Like, for that alone, I was like, mm. wow, what a... And she was a great teacher, and she was, you know, but, like, her and Mrs. Bigner, who's now passed away, but, like, just mm-hmm. above and beyond, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and hugely, and, like, honestly, like, what a lesson in thoughtfulness for me. Like, what a, like I was really just like, wait... You cared enough about all of us. Mm-hmm. Like first, you're like, "Wait, is this just me?" And then you, and then you talk to your <laughs> friends, and you're like, "Did you get one too?" And they're like, "Yeah." I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, what amazing sort of crazy That's, woman is this? Right? I'm like wondering where she has enough room to like store all this stuff because well, she would have to do it every year. Well, I went to a private school. Okay. So there was only about twenty five of us in oh, each okay. class, right? So, yeah. so that was part of it. I'm sure mm-hmm. that it was, you know, but you know, yeah, it was just wow. a, a Manila, like a, an envelope, a brown. Yeah envelope that's that just so had cool that's awesome yeah it was really i don't know if that was i was like who do i admire i was like i no, think miss templin is the best because no, she said just like really it was really really mm-hmm. a thing um i've been lucky enough to have a multitude of lady mm-hmm. mentors of women in my life who you know 10 15 years older than me who will gladly share Mm-hmm. what they know and have been nothing but supportive i've been incredibly fortunate like i'm in a little mafia mm-hmm. you know? that's awesome it, it really is and, and mm-hmm. it, in buffalo as well um my friend suzanne taylor was a incredible mentor throughout the whole building of the comedy scene mm-hmm. and, um 
in P-Town right now for, you know, building the summer program, I have some women who are jumping on the board who are just top-notch. Mm -hmm. And I've been very fortunate because I do a lot of things, mm -hmm. and I could never do them without these people jumping on board. And usually it's women. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we never talked about the summer program. Oh, summer Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's basically when we were touring with Loose in the Bible Belt, um, there was a kid... I was in Shreveport. It was around 20 years after my high... It was my 20th high school reunion. It was mm -hmm. right around that time. There was an article in the newspaper about um, this queer kid who had to graduate high school early mm -hmm. because he felt unsafe. Mm -hmm. And I realized that nothing had changed in 20 years. Like, he was telling my story. Yeah. And I live in a place, Provincetown, Massachusetts, which has... Um, uh, they need a ton of people to work for the summer. They import a ton of summer workers. Mm -hmm. So I said, why don't we just bring 18 to 20-year-old kids queer kids from the deep south, bring them up here, let them live and work and just not be the freak mm -hmm. and just breathe. Like yeah. I, I keep saying, this is what better looks like, right? Mm -hmm. Like we keep saying it gets better, but this is what that experience feels like. And so summer of sass was SOS. Mm -hmm. Summer of sass was born. Um, and, um, actually summer of sass, that's funny. Well, Buffalo kickback. Um, <laughs> the, when I was with the strip teachers, we did one summer where they called it summer of sass and so like years like you know a decade later i was like i'm totally You're naming this program yeah. I, all of your like shows and everything have really great names Thank i you. love that yeah, yeah. that one was actually that one was a throwback to a time we uh, just it was just a nice little nod to buffalo for mm -hmm. me personally because i like to hide that stuff mm -hmm. um so yeah, so now we are in the process of looking to acquire a permanent house, mm -hmm. and we've helped seven kids. We've really dramatically changed the lives of, of oh, seven that's young adults, and we'll probably have another two this year, and uh, we got a grant from the Paulette Fund mm -hmm. to help us. We basically, we fly them up, we help them pay rent for about two weeks, we, we help them find jobs before they get there, and then we life skills, and then they start paying rent, and mm -hmm. they just live and work, and just mm -hmm. have a summer before they go to college, or summer break, or whatever it is, and wow, they get to just so be, cool. it's really great, it's been, it's amazing how kids flourish if you just give them some space, yeah, you absolutely, know, and a little guidance, oh, that's so it's cool. about the right amount of, you know, I'm a great beach dad, <laughs> call me beach dad they call me uncle becker you know just enough where like i've got to be you're you got the eyes but with not the, exactly right with in all, there. yeah but should you and that's specifically for kids from the deep south so we have opened it up to anyone oh, okay. like rural areas you know mm -hmm. if we find kids and i, I listen to if mm -hmm. i talk to whatever kid comes my way Right. It's not always a, a good fit. It's got to be a right mm -hmm. fit for them because this place is really frenetic and there's a lot. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a high anxiety, it's not. Not good. Yeah, mm -hmm. because it gets crazy busy. Like mm -hmm. it's a town of 5,000 people and then 50,000 get dumped every week. Like it's brand oh new. Like gosh. it's just, it's a crazy tourist yeah. destination. So it's like you got to be able to be fast paced or whatever. But <clears throat> we try to help everybody. Mm -hmm. we can. That's amazing. So now of thinking back to like the women you admire is there anyone that stands out as like a subversive women that you... subversive yeah. women aren't women all subversive that's what i like to say like <laughs> i just really feel like like man i don't know very many women who haven't had to like outwit or outsmart or like finagle their way mm -hmm. through some shit right? right like that's just what it being a woman is subversive mm -hmm as a general rule, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to go with that. Like, I've been, I've been sitting here the whole time thinking about this. Like, but, like, that's what we've had to do, mm -hmm. you know, forever. It's well, just... that's... Anytime someone says, like, well, I can't think of anyone, I'm like, I can think of... Like, it could be anyone. It could be you. It could be... 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, I love the stories of of women dressing up as men to mm -hmm. fight in wars. To me, that is like <laughs> like that to me. Like back, you know, when mm -hmm. women would just pretend to be men and to get through things. Mm -hmm. To me, that was like yes, mm -hmm. good job. And they never noticed, and they never guessed. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh yeah, that. Yeah, that that to me was super. I'm fun. just thinking of Mulan. That's just what. Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. All right. Well, we're getting to about the end of the episode here. So, is there anything that you would like to add? Anything that we didn't touch on that? Uh, there's going to be a documentary for Loose oh, yeah. in the Bible Belt, so people should check out LooseInTheBibleBelt.com because it is a Buffalo film crew mm -hmm. uh, produced out of here. It's a very Buffalo centric project that we're really proud of and. Uh, and we love the idea of shooting stuff from Buffalo and like just having this fun thing get launched out into the world that we think is really going to make a difference. So we think Buffalo can really get behind it. Oh, awesome. That's great. Yeah. Um, so when is, what is the timeline on that? Do you have one yet? So we don't know right now. We just did a whole bunch of B-roll stuff and a lot mm -hmm. of interview stuff. And that's why we were here. And so uh, I imagine there'll be some promo stuff soon. Oh, we're okay. going to probably cut a 10-minute short video, mm -hmm. short movie out of it and maybe uh, submit that to some short film festivals oh, cool. and then start awesome. from there. Yeah. All right. Well, keep us posted. Sweet. Will do. All right. Um, anywhere else aside from Loosen the Bible Belt where people can find you? Uh, KristenBecker.com. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Kristen. Thanks for this having me. awesome. Thank you. Uh, if you're looking to get in touch with Womankind, you can find me at Womankind Podcast on Instagram and Facebook or my website, www.womankindpodcast.com or on what did I miss? Email. Womankindpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye, friends.